And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I'm Christian Chabot. Phil Van Dyke. Lamar Wamble, what up? And thank you for joining us this week and every week as we dig into culture, current events, and our own events. And we redefine manhood and masculinity so that all of us, however you identify, can thrive. We are so grateful that you are joining us and we are committed to building this community further and together. So please continue to support by giving those five-star reviews, if we've earned it, your honest feedback, and your recommendations to friends and family members that you think it will help if they listen to the Men Up podcast. All right, y'all. So here in season two, we have a brand new segment that we're calling Walking the Talk. During these episodes where you have the big three of us, we're going to take a moment at the top of the episode to share an idea about manhood that we have, right? Or that we've carried with us, how it shows up in our lives and how we are actively working to transform that idea. So it could be an idea that maybe challenges us in our lives, an idea that we see out in our society that's challenging, whatever it is, it is clear to us that we want to be identifying how we are doing the work along with y'all. Because like we say every episode, we are not experts, but we are committed to this work. So this week, Walk in the Talk, Will, it is you. So take it away. So taking up space is a, an idea that I think about quite honestly every day. I am a large human being, 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, I, I have no choice but to, sometimes to take up space. It's just how I'm built. I also work in the music industry. And so the physical manifestation of taking up space is being at a concert. I block people's view. And early, you know, unless I really needed to, because I love the band so much, I figured out I got to be in the back because it's not a good experience for somebody who I'm standing in front of. And that's not because I, you know, I'm trying to be nice or, or whatever, but some of it is, is just like, it's a better experience for me if I'm not, you know, blocking somebody out and those sort of things. But one of the things that I think sometimes is missed is those interactions, like, you know, uh, man spreading on the subway when you're, you're out there standing in front of somebody at a concert, those are all out in the public sphere. And I think sometimes when taking up space, you're missing some of the social cues in your sort of personal space as well. Cohabitation with people or parties or things where you are very, very comfortable and you miss certain cues. And an example and a story that I, that I think about regularly on this podcast, particularly because it involves a bunch of friends who like to talk about certain topics all the time. It was mostly music and sports, but every time we would get together, this group of guys and I would always dominate the conversation, just pure like railroad the entire conversation. And, and it, when we were in larger groups and there's four of us, and then our, at the time partners would be there and, and they they would, basically just hang out with us, not saying anything because we were just running our mouths the entire time. At one point though, I think after so many of this, one of our partners who stood up and was just like, we can't talk when you guys are talking. There's no, you, you are talking so often that we can't. And so the joke, the running joke of that group was, we would, when we would start talking in the moments, like uh, when we were hanging out after that comment was made, we just said, oh, let's save that for the podcast. There is no podcast with that group of guys, but we said, let's save that for the podcast because we were taking up space and we were recognizing it in real time 
that conversation was dominating and it was too much for everybody else in the room. It couldn't, there was no conversation to be had if we were the only ones talking the whole time. And so that's like a very just, you know, lighthearted story about how that is. Turns out, you know, I needed a podcast in order to tell that story. But, um, but that was sort of, I think, uh, an impetus of, of this, of, of us getting together too, though, was making sure that this is the place where we can say some of those things and talk about this stuff on a regular basis. And so uh, I think sometimes just back to the point of like taking up space, there is the public physical space that you're taking up, but sometimes the private moments are the ones that are become most impactful because you miss those certain social cues of with your partner or with somebody else where you're saying like, Hey, I'm not being respectful in these scenarios. So like, let's move on, you know, and, and, and adapt to the, you know, to what this person is saying, this feedback that I've been given and those sort of things. And, and then, so for me, talking conversation is one of those things that I take up the most space always outside of my physical presence. And, uh, and, and it was a good lesson for me, I think in some cases too. Well, that was really powerful. And you and I have known each other a long time and I've heard that story several times since, since that moment <laughs> happened. Right. So we, we yeah. always say that too, right. We know each other a long time. We continue to tell the same stories, right? The like, same stories over same and over stories. Again. But there's always new details. There's always nuance. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm interested, like that moment, where whether it was your partner or or one of your friend's partners, when that person stood up and was like, we can't talk in this space. What was that moment like for you, that moment of recognition? What was it like for the group to have that like sudden moment of confrontation, positive confrontation, but still moment of confrontation? Yeah, it, I mean, it was, I think it was a lighthearted moment, but we all took it relatively seriously, like in, in the sense of like, oh yeah, oh shoot, that's a wake up. Oh, okay. And, and then what was nice I think, and what made the transition easy was the the creation of a device. It's almost like a safe word where we would be like, hey, let's save it for the podcast, right? Where you're like, there was that physical manifestation of like that flip, that light switch flipping on that was like, oh, you know, this is probably the, the, the point of no return. If we go past that, we got to, we're, we're going to go off you know, and sometimes, sometimes it would, it would be like, oh, we're going to do, we're going to, we want to keep this conversation going. So we would, you know, either remove ourselves or, 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 or go somewhere else or something like that. But there was enough of the recognition collectively in the group that I think it, it, it helped. There was no negative feedback. It didn't, it didn't stifle any of that um, dialogue. Well, Will, you set up for us here, the topic that we're really going to dig into today, which is this idea of how do we as men take up space? in multiple different ways. And so Lamar, I want to pass it over to you to really tee us up for this conversation today so that we can dig deep and level up. Yeah. So I think Will nailed um, a lot of things in terms of like the, the larger macro perspective, but also talked about some really micro moments of where men take up space or how he and his life has taken up space. And I also want to make sure that we're, we're very clear because I started thinking about this and I was like, not to be confused, not, not to have taking up space, be confused with given, being given space um, is the first thing I wanted to kind of bring up. So as we define what it means to take up space, um, we know that that, that's, that giving space is a whole other thing. And we can talk about that, but we're not going to be talking about that today. Um, but we know that historically, um, men come from power, authority, and privilege, right? And, and traditionally, that's where it falls in relationships. That's where it falls in society. 
Um, that's where it falls in, uh, at work, right? And so that's kind of where the three main areas I want us to kind of focus on today is like how men take up space um, in those three areas. And I think the reason it becomes super important is because it's because it's not a bad thing. I think, well, what you mentioned was was spot on. It's, it's not bad that you were born six foot three, 200 pounds. Like it is who you are, but it's the recognition of like, okay, this may be hindering somebody else's experience. Let me readjust, make the movement, do what I need to do and make it a better experience for both of us. And it's not making you any less manly. It's not making you any less uh, you know, masculine to say, you know what, let me just have a different thought about how I'm going to go to this concert or live in the society with other people. And I think uh, all we're trying to do is help other men check their privilege at the door. Um, and it begins with a very basic conversation about how men take up space um, in these different arenas and how we can still be bold and brave and uh, contributors and facilitators and fathers and also leave space for other people to be great. Shabu, I would love to kind of like start with you and just kind of like get your your take on, you know, where have you taken up space in your life and like where have you had to make the adjustment? Yeah, so, you know, I'm not blessed with uh, the height <laughs> or size that Will is, uh, never have been. So so it has, it has not often been uh, physical space. Although I'll say this, you know, I, I think what was really powerful as we were preparing for this episode was going to the women in my life that I care most about. Right. So that's my partner. That's my mom. And just asking them like, how do, how do we, how do I as a man take up space? Right. And regardless of where their definitions or ideas of manhood and masculinity fall, like they definitely had some things to share about like how men take up space. Right. And, and things that honestly, like I hadn't even thought of, right. And we, you know, have been doing this men up work for a while. We've been in conversation in this podcast for three seasons and there's still ways of taking up space that the way that men take up space that, that I am still so unaware of. Right. And so I'll say that at the top, you know, I, I think the place where I've taken up space the most is, is in, in speaking, right. In, in taking up space with words, right. And, and had to do a lot of work there uh, over time. And, and I think the, the space that's been most tangible or the shift that's been most tangible is being comfortable with silence in, in group settings, particularly, or even like one-on-one -on -one conversations that like a lot of times uh, I used to fill that space because I felt awkward without, you know, without anything happening or, or without words in the space. So it was like, oh, I got to fill this or, or I've got an answer. Right. And, and it's sometimes about like just taking a step back and being like, it's OK if there's silence. Right. And actually a lot of power can come out of that silence. Some of the other work is and this actually came from my partner, like presencing this is this idea of um, men taking up emotional space. Right. The, and part of that is in this recognition, you know, a lot of the work that we've done, again, with men up, and, and I think a lot of the conversation is about men, you know, getting more in touch with their emotions, being able to articulate those emotions, share that kind of vulnerability, but there's a balance there too, right? And I think that uh, sometimes it can come across, I know in my own life, my own experience, it's come across that like when I have some sort of like revelation about what I'm feeling or, or my emotions, like suddenly that has to be a big deal, right? And it has to be honored and it, and it suddenly takes up space, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's some of the work that I've had to do and still doing. The thing that hit me was the the part about the, the emotional space um, and, and, the, and the way in which I was thinking about it is that there, uh, I guess it's, it's communicating emotions sometimes. It's like, 
the the leap that people have to make in their to 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 try and understand somebody who's non-communicating or not communicating their emotions it takes up time right takes up time in their brain to try and make the leap about where you are emotionally that is like a, a, a is is space for them right and and i think that that is so like non-communication is like a pendulum swing where it's like for, for me i was like way too transparent and then not communicating and then like there's a medium that has to be somewhere in the middle at some point because you're 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 and and somewhere in that middle part too is not not using a passive voice because even that passive voice not being direct and like explaining exactly what it is again takes time to sort of needle out what the actual request is and this is a very short interaction that we had uh yesterday i i mentioned uh before we started recording that i'm we're demoing a bunch of stuff and i asked my wife for some help downstairs and there was this passive interaction back and forth that took probably three or four extra lines of dialogue for us both to get out exactly what we were trying to say get clear and yep. and just to be clear and i was just like i was just like Sorry, let me read. But, and I had to go backwards. So like I had to actually go back and be like, I need your help. Are you right. available to help? And then that's right. And then it, would, it had to be like, no, I am not available to help. And it like it almost had to be spelled out that way because I was just like, oh, I, it was lost in the details. And so it just took time and space to have that simple, very simple conversation. Yeah. So I mean, I think to add on to that, you know, as I think about myself and I think what you were talking about communication uh, and how it does take up time and space to kind of get clear. Um, I think a part of that is also what you were saying is that making assumptions about other people's time, um, even when it's your wife or like this, the person that you think that is supposed to be there for you, no matter what, you know what I mean? So the assumption that well, I'm going to go to my partner and ask her to help me do this and just be like, well, why would she say no? Well, maybe it just doesn't feel like it right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that, that's okay for that person to be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that, you know, uh, and vice versa. And so the privilege and um, I think the assumption of like, if I go ask, this person's going to help. And that doesn't, ha- that doesn't always have to be on men, could go both ways, but something we want you all to, as listeners to be thinking about in all of your communication. And as we have this conversation around men in space, I think Shabu, you did something really cool. And I would recommend that all the men that listen to the podcast and really anyone that's listening, that you go ask your partner, the people that you're closest to. I think that's a really good activity is to go ask how you take up space in their life or like, what does it look like for you to take up space? And I know for me, you know, I, I think, my partner would categorize me as like, kind of like, um, what's the term? Uh, clumsy, goofy, uh, like unaware sometimes of like, also like also a large man, uh, will. So, you know, six foot, 200 pounds, like six, one, 200. Like, I don't think I'm that big, but other people may, may perceive me to be big. Right. And so because of that, I may not be living into my bigness, but other people perceive me as that. And so I have to remember that like, 
just because I don't see myself as big, other people do. And so I have to may in times adjust my behavior. So I think one thing that comes to mind is like um, backpedaling or like walking out of a store, getting ready to open the door and like not paying attention to who's behind me or like, you know, walking into someone, I think are the things that uh, my partner brings to my attention all the time. And she's just like, you just never had to worry about it. Like you're just a big dude. Like people get out of your way most of the time. And so you just never had to be more cognizant. And I'd like to think that I am, that I do pay attention to stuff like that. But like, I think there's those moments where like, you just, it just kind of happens. We're not asking people, we're not asking men to, to shrink themselves, right. To like suddenly be less, but it's, it's about awareness, right? Like it's about like, listen, we share this space together, right? Like, and physically, I mean, the, the way that I see this all the time, right. Is in physical spaces, walking around here in New York city, but in other areas is like, if you watch, uh, if, if you just go out, like do this as an activity, like go out, like watch folks walking on the sidewalk, or if you're somebody that goes to the gym, just watch the way that people take up space. And it, it is incredible what men will do, right? Like in the, in the middle of a sidewalk, like men will like just take up the middle of the space and just take up a lot, right? Like you just see it all the time, right? Like, and, and a lot, a lot of a lack of awareness, right? And similarly in the gym, Lamar, I share this with you all the time, which is like, I'll go into the gym, like Friday night, I went into the gym. And it's like seven o'clock at night. So it's like pretty, pretty slow at that point. So it's this big open space. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to set up here. Like, that's great. And no joke, there, there is at least like 20 feet of space di diameter wise, like that could be nope. taken up. Dude <laughs> just plops up right next to me, like to do his work too. I'm like, and it's just an open space. There's no machine he's using, like just plops right next to me. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Right? Like that it, ass. It's, that, it's, <laughs> it's that ass. He thought, yeah. he thought you were going to lead the class. He thought he was, you were going to be right. his. I was his hit instructor. It was one-on-one -on -one yeah. coaching. He was, yeah. he was misunderstanding. It was, it it was mimicking. It was mimicking is what it was. As you recall, the last time we went to the gym together, there were five men doing their, doing their back workout together, their rows together in, in, in a row within three feet of each other, less than actually within a foot of each other, which was just hilarious to watch. Synchronized weightlifting. It's probably some TikTok challenge, you know. It might have been actually. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. But they definitely were filming it. Were they really? And it was hilarious because these are like big old cock diesel dudes. Like most of them, there was like two big dudes, and there was like three little dudes. But they're boombox, like like very loud and obnoxious, like very much so. And I was like, oh. And then the next thing you know, they're like doing synchronized arm rows. Uh, all, and I was like, this is like hilarious. Like this is, hilarious. but then I think what we and Christian came to was like, but dang, like how cool is it that you got bros so tight that y'all just roll up to the gym, take over the entire gym and just like bust out these rows, like, like synchronized rowing on a TikTok video and or the Olympics. Right. Talk about well, taking up space. Sorry. Literally. literally. No, this is exactly <laughs> what we should go to. Right? Like, this is a great example, right? Like where we're not saying, Hey, this group of guys that we saw in the gym, like, oh, you shouldn't hang out together and go to the gym and do yeah. all that sort of stuff together. Absolutely do that, right? But like, they literally took over the entire floor, the like to rack, the point yeah. that like, you couldn't get to the weights, right? Like, yep. and, and audibly they took up the space, right? Yep. Like it was their music that was being heard, right? And so like, yep. those are the shifts we're talking about, which is like, you share this space with other people, right? Whether that's the gym, whether that's the sidewalk, whether that is our community spaces, our homes, wherever, like you share this space. Let's transition like into the workplace. And I think, I think Shabu, you had mentioned like taking up less space uh, 
with your speaking, and I'm assuming that a lot of that probably happens at work or has happened at work for the most part. Um, what is the responsibility as, as men in senior level roles, both of you, um, to like create a space of openness, equality, uh, you know, all the things that are impacted by men, um, men's privilege in the workplace? Yeah, I, I think that it is challenging at times, right? I'll, I'll say right now the the team that I work on is, uh, as far as full time members on our team, is is all women, with the exception of myself. All people who identify mm-hmm. as women, except for myself, right? Um, you know, and, and I think I, I find myself at moments like sort of going back and forth of like how best to like create spaces that feel equitable for folks, like and and there are often spaces that are on zoom calls and and our our remote spaces in that way and you know i think that there are some times where i should say this it all comes back to like the system structures and routines that are set up for those meetings in my opinion right like if you set up with a team if if you come to decisions on like hey here are the ways we're going to run a meeting right like one you're creating consensus that way but two you you want to make sure you're creating ways that everybody can be heard right i think that like one of the things I'm challenged by right now is as a team, like we've gotten into a little bit of this like comfortable habit. That's like, ultimately I don't think is, is helpful for anybody. Right. Where, you know, we'll, we'll at the top of meetings, like have some sort of check-in question. That's really just about us connecting as people. Right. So it doesn't have to be motivated by like, what progress are we making on a project or whatever. It's just like, Hey, how was your weekend type stuff? And we have an agenda and, and, there's somebody else. I used to run the meetings. It's somebody else that now sets that agenda, runs those meetings, right? So, so I think like there's ways of like making sure that power is shared in spaces where we're running meetings and things like that. But the the check-in question is always in that agenda ahead of time. So people could see it, right? Um, we then ask it at the top, right? And again, these are questions that are not complex in nature. They're things like, hey, how was your weekend, right? Or, or what's something you're looking forward to? And yet when I tell you at the top of our meeting, there will be silence for several minutes and silence that would continue on if not for sometimes me saying, well, I'll start it off here, right? And it's like, well, what do we do here, right? Because on some level, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm the man, I'm the white guy taking up space, talking first, right? And that's a challenge, right? Like on another hand, I also am somebody that really values my time and values other people's time. And it's like, at some point we gotta get this meeting going because otherwise we're going to go five minutes late, 10 minutes late, which is the thing we often do too. And that's not being an equitable space too. So, so it's, it's a complex space that I think ultimately it's, it's a trial and error space where you, you see where challenges are coming up. And then like, you have to address it as a team and figure out how to be, you know, better at what you do, um, better at honoring people's time and their space and their voices. Uh, but, but it's not easy, right? I, I'd actually love to hear from Will. Cause I mean, Will, at least around this remote context, Will's been doing this the longest out of all of us and, and has been doing it a long time. There's two things. One is if I'm meeting with people who are like higher rank, you know, uh, hierarchy uh, than I am, I'm mostly quiet and waiting for, to pick my spots. If it's with my team, I do immediately assume the leadership role and I just sort of steamroll through with with the added content, I always preface it. And, and I've been doing a lot of interviews recently, right? Where I've been interviewing candidates and stuff like that, where I set the expectations right up front. And I say, look, I'm going to take a very conversational style. 
I'm going to, you know, ask a bunch of questions, but interrupt me. Like I'm trying to get them to, you know, be comfortable with the fact that we like, this is a conversation that you are free to say whatever you want at any point in time, like to go through it, but there's structure to it. So it's a sort of common thing. One thing that I've been trying to do with my team specifically is, and again, it helps me because I know who, what I am. And if I've just given the space, I'll use the entire time to talk through, but I try to set agenda markers that the team has contributed. And also I try now to start it off with a story from somebody else. Like, so, cause that story time typically was me, you know, just trying to be goofy, you know, ease attention boss. But now it's like, okay, let's pass this moment off to somebody else. Let's get people engaged. And I'm even probably likely going to take it a step further where I don't even run, I don't run the meeting. I'm, I'm sort of more of a point guard and somebody else is sort of like, using the theme and, and doing those sort of, so the places that I control, I'm, I'm trying to adapt a little bit more to like, not just talking all the time and not just, you know, using all that, um, time up. When you're in the group of whether it's folks that are like higher level C-suite folks, you know, superiors, whatever it is, you're usually the quiet one. I think a lot of times quiet can be associated with uh, weakness or can be associated with not like being empowered in that space. So like one, do you feel either one of those things when you're being more quiet or, or two, like what is the, what is the power in quiet? I think internally, yes. And I internalize it as like, oh, I'm not contributing. Oh, this is a, you know, I'm, I'm exhibiting like some flaw in that, like I'm not passive behavior engaged or passive behavior or something like that. Um, but in my like in my rec- in my reflection of the moment, no, like I, I don't I, I, I don't see it as that. And that's not that's definitely not the feedback that I get. Right. The, the, the feedback that I get is not, uh, you know, hey, I need you to speak up more or I need, you know, you need to be engaged in this on this conversation. We need your input type of stuff. I'm you know, those social cues are pretty pretty clear cut. It is just me trying to listen, trying to be a good listener and trying to, you know, figure out what's what, you know, what's what basically, and, and not having to contribute uh, in order to make my presence felt or something like that. Making presence felt like is something like is a, I, it's definitely a trait that I once had and probably still do, which is like the comment just to comment and like, I think that happens professionally a lot. And the way in which I did it a lot of times was I would repeat something almost verbatim and just say the exact same thing again, just so that I, my voice was heard in, in the, the same moment. meeting that they said it. Oh, in the same meeting, the exact, <laughs> like just like two minutes afterwards, <laughs> take the same words and just repeat it. Well, I think, I think that's one of the foundational things of, 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 men in power and also like at the workplace is that like a lot of times women feel over they feel like they're spoken over or that they don't have the opportunity to get their ideas out because you know somebody a man has something to say or the attention it goes to a man first or that you know this person is leading the meeting i think um one thing i wanted to say to both of you and and hearing your experiences as leaders 
And I think it is a challenging time, Shabu, when you are the white guy who is also the leader. Like people, it's 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 funny. People want to be led, right? Very similar to like Will sitting at the table with his with his higher ups, and he's kind of just like listening. Like it, Will wants to be led in that moment, right? He doesn't necessarily want to have to be the leader, um, but with his team, like he has to then lead. And so people want to be led, and I think what's important there is, and this is why I don't want to be a leader is because like, I care too much about what people think about me. And if my team team members were like hating me or like, didn't think I was a good boss, like I would literally struggle with that. So I I know that's not the place for me, but like going to each employee to really understand like how they want to be led, right? So that you can have that knowledge on the back end when you're having to make decisions about how's this meeting going to play out? Am I going to be the one to say this? How is someone going to interpret this? Are they going to make it assumptions that like, I'm not trying to hear everyone's voice or that I'm trying to like step on the conversation, whatever, but people want to be led. So I think it's just a constant fine line of like understanding that, yes, I am the leader here. Um, and I also have responsibility to push things forward um, despite my race or my gender or you know, who I am in society. I, I want to comment on one thing there, Lamar. And, and I'm, I'm responding to this because you just brought it up, but I, because, but I've heard this thing a lot and, and a lot recently, like with men up as people are coming into it and, and they'll listen to us talk about this work and, and other, yeah, just, just doing this work of, of confronting, um, confronting our own ideas of manhood, masculinity, of whiteness, for myself, right? I, I'm only identifying this for myself. Like there's sometimes this notion of like, oh, it, it's really hard to be a white man right now. Like, and my <laughs> response to that is good, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's challenging, but it's good that it's challenging, right? Like these, right. Are, these are changes we need to make. That's a point that you made earlier that like, yeah. that there are behaviors, there are mindsets, ways we're showing up that like have to change, right? And so I just want to clarify that. Lamar, I want to ask you though, Will brought up this idea of like, maintaining presence without like taking up space, like taking up more space than you need to. Right. And I wonder for you, like the work that you do, right. Yeah. I mean, you are really now focused on speaking and that really driving the majority of your work and, and speaking in that way is, is a profession where you need to have a lot of presence. Right. And you are literally taking up space. Like you are being paid to take up space. Yeah. Right. And so, so what's that, what's that balance for you? Like, knowing those things to be true about your profession and also working with young people, also doing work where you want to create spaces that are equitable. Like how do you balance those things out? It's a lot of pressure sometimes. And, and I think that's the, the main thing that uh, it, the way it impacts me is that like, I go into a lot of places getting ready to speak and I'm like feeling nervous because I, I do feel like as a motivational speaker, it's your job to be like this larger than life personality and you got to get on stage and like bring it. And I know there's, I know a bunch of speakers that like are that. Um, And so a lot of times it shows up as like uh, comparison, Um, looking at myself and how I show up on stage to other people. And I'm like, Oh man, like I wish I had that. Or even looking at a past self, a past self of me. Like I used to, um, when I first started speaking, I was like, I used to do crazy shit on stage. Like there's videos online of me, me having, you know, 500 kids singing 
black eyed peas at the beginning of a conference, like doing the beat that beat from Jersey shore, like on stage, like I would never do that again. Like, cause I don't even know if that's who I am anymore. You know what I mean? And as much as that, like, I thought I wanted to be that it's just not who I am anymore. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of pressure that comes around with like having to be the person that takes up all the space in the room, energy wise, verbal wise, emotionally, because like part of my job is to like make people feel something. You drew a comparison between an earlier version of yourself as a speaker, right? That was, you were taking up more space, like doing that kind of hype stuff, doing like, as you said, like ridiculous things on stage potentially, but you were also, you were also asking young people to literally take up more space, whether it was like singing black eyed peas, like mm -hmm. fist pumping like Jersey Shore. Right. And like, and now you're, you're much more focused on making those connections. And like, I've seen you do your work. It's incredible work. And like you, you offer audiences like a moment for like introspection, reflection, getting clear on like, what am I, what do I really care about? Right. Mm -hmm. So which version of Lamar as a speaker is more impactful? Oh, this one, the definitely not. And it's not even, it, it's, it's not even close because, um, you know, my first five, six years when I was speaking, I was very like, I was unrelatable and, and I was unrelatable because my main thing was, I don't want to, I don't want to share enough of myself to be relatable. So I was also just being small in general in my thinking, right? So I was being big on my theatrics, but small in my delivery, um, which then doesn't lead to big emotional connections and uh, pushing past where you're going. I had to get there myself in order to kind of get people there. Um, and so I would definitely say this version of myself is much better because I can, you can always add in a song and go fucking dance whenever you want, but like to really get to people and, um, get to the heart of their challenge or their issue or, you know, what is plaguing them to move forward is like, it's a different thing. Was it an internal uh, switch for you that, that, that made the uh, like reviewed reflected on the previous Lamar speaker versus the current Lamar speaker? Or did you get some external feedback? Yeah, I got, yeah, I got coaching mentorship. Yeah, that was like, yeah, you, if you want to have more impact, you need to tell your story. Cool. But I think what you're speaking to is huge. Right. And I think it's something that I kind of refer to as like being checked. Right. Like yep. you got to check somebody one time for them to change their behavior, because even if it's not if they don't do it with the general public, they'll change it with you. Right. So like if you or or at least they'll think twice, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think it's super important for people to have the courage to check, not just men, but anybody who you feel is like disrespecting you, taking up space, moving you out of the way, pushing you down, whatever. Um, but mostly very important for like men, especially when you're getting feedback that may be unrelated to work. Uh, that where you're kind of forced into a professional response, but in any other situation to really just check how you respond. Mar, I think what's important there is you identified that like there, there's a, there's a mechanism you've had to like create for yourself to check internally. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and will at the beginning of this episode started by saying that within his, his group that was, was talking a lot about, about sports, about music, taking up a lot of space. Like eventually they had to like create a sort of mechanism for like shifting Right. And, and so I think 
one, that's one of the things we've identified here is like, as you're making these changes in the way you take up space, as all of us are like having those kind of forcing mechanisms can be powerful. Right. And, and a forcing mechanism, you know, in the situation you were just talking about Lamar, I know for me, it's like having it be okay. If I say something like, you know what, I need to step away for a moment. Right. Mm-hmm. In those moments where it feels like things are getting mm-hmm. elevated, whether that's in personal relationships, professional relationships, saying like, I got to step away, I got to take a break. Or when there are moments where there is an expectation that whether it's because I'm a man or just how I've like shown up generally as a person that like I have immediate responses, right. To things like I have immediate feedback to offer, like being able to be okay with like, you know what, I got to think about this a little bit more, right. Like I don't need to yeah. respond right now because I can't actually respond in a, in a thoughtful way. And, I, and that's good. I think we all need to be better about that too, because uh, like you said, literally I can't respond thoughtfully if I have not had time to think. To think about, like it literally doesn't even make sense. I I do want to have touch on this before we kind of get close to wrapping up. Um, You know, people talk about mansplaining and like what that is, and I think maybe Will, you might have referred to it a little bit, um, not by name, but um, in talking about it, just in explaining things to your team or like kind of taking, you know, running the meeting or whatever. But like. I don't know if I've really ever witnessed it. I probably have, but I just don't know when it's happening or if I'm doing it. What can y'all kind of give some insight there, like as to like what you see it is? And I'm I'm sure I do it because I just talk over talk anyway. So like what how are we defining the mansplain? There's a hubris to mansplaining that is, I think, a a predetermination of like what mansplaining actually is, where it is the uh, internal, uh, internalization of what is correct about a particular subject. And there, the hubris is that I know the correct answer and anything that is different from my answer that I have, I'm going to jump in and clarify. Clarification is probably the most common way that man's, at least in my experience, the most common way that mansplaining shows up is that you didn't say it exactly the way that I think it. So I'm going to say it again. I think a lot of it is in the not listening part too. Like somebody did not listen to the answer that was given and thus needs to jump in and try to like adding their voice to it because they didn't hear what that person was saying. I was thinking about how do I see mansplaining showing up recently and one of the things that honestly hurts my heart a little bit is there's a there's a practice in in acting in improv particularly that's like the the idea is called yes and right is what which the idea is that when you're in a collaborative space right you're never just like shutting somebody's idea down by saying no right like but it's like yes you offered something and let me build upon it which in theory is like i think a great practice not just in theater and performing but like in collaborative teams and spaces right and i have seen that co-opted a bit uh, where it's become a mechanism for mansplaining, right? Where it's, it's oh me God. just validating. It's me just validating. Like you just said a thing and I'll say like, yeah. And, and then I'll just go on and say the exact same thing exactly. you just said in a little bit of a different way. And it's like, I, I didn't actually add anything there. Right. Like, and uh, I just mansplained. Right. And, and so it hurts my heart a little bit when I see that. And, it, and I also want to say too, I think that there is sometimes a perception that mansplaining is only when like, a man re-explains something a woman said, like we do it to each other as guys all the time right. too. Like, like it clearly happens more to women and historically has happened more to women. As we wrap up today's episode, 
it's worth noting that this idea of men taking up space is one that we've come back to every season, right? It's probably the idea that we've come back to the most. And Lamar, you've actually been the one to, to bring it up at different moments in different conversations. So really appreciate that. And I, and, and I think the reason why we continue to come back to it is it is very tangible. Like the adjustments that we're asking folks to make, we're asking men to make, uh, are very tangible, right? Whereas sometimes when we're doing this work, when we're talking about redefining manhood and masculinity, showing up uh, in a way that's more equitable, it can be a much more about mindset and, and those kind of shifts around mindset and belief, I think take time to, to, to break down and build back up. But, but things like having a new awareness for the space that we exist in for how we like get too close to people, how much, how many words we use and, and the air that we take up. Those are very tangible changes that can, that can be made. Thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, we have got incredible conversations coming up the rest of the season. We have our first ever podcast workshop series that will be coming up uh, in, in just a few short weeks here. So please make sure you are checking that out through the men up podcast, through themenup.com and please continue to join us peace the men up podcast is a grin and bear production the soundtrack is courtesy of mike mcginley music and visual artwork by viati design studio video clips from each episode are edited by joe oliveri the executive producer and editor on the men up podcast is me christian shabu you can listen to us every week on spotify and on apple podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.